Welcome in to the Bear Down Podcast here on the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. We have the Bear Down Podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays right here on the ESPN Chicago app. We also host Black and Abdallah weeknights from 6 to 8 right here on ESPN 1000. So here's the deal, right? Because we go back to last Thursday. We were at Lollapalooza uh, Friday, Lollapalooza. There's a lot going on last week. Today is a Monday. We understand uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays for the Bear Down Podcast. Uh, but we will be co-hosting with Tom Waddle tomorrow for Waddle and Sylvie from 2 to 6. Uh, therefore, we won't actually be here. We're going to be at Navy Pier for the Jim Ursay uh, concert and the uh, event over there at Navy Pier. So, Abdel, we are here on a Monday to wrap up some Bears conversation from the weekend and look ahead at this week. We get it. Tuesdays and Thursdays, Bear Down Podcast. That's what we promote. Um, a little uh, change in the schedule, though, here on a Monday, talking Bears football. That's okay. You know, there's there's stuff going on this weekend to talk about related to the Bears. You know, the Bears are training camp. We're 42 days away. It is August 1st, which means two things, Chris. One, we're in the worst month of the year. Two, we are 42 days away from the start of the Bears season. That's not the NFL season. There's a game on Thursday. But the Bears, that's Sunday. The 49ers, 42 days away. How about that? Which is awesome. Uh, training camp in full swing as we head into uh, week two of the training camp period. Uh, the first padded practice will be on Tuesday. Uh, we will have a recap uh, later on in the week here on the Bear Down podcast, how things are going in training camp. Right now, uh, to me, it, it seems like there's three... I'll give you four. There's four major storylines that are starting to develop here in camp. First would be Roquan Smith, his hold in, hold out. Uh, He's not practicing, but he's there. He's being a good teammate. He's in meetings. He's helping young players. Uh, But they are trying to install a defense without the best player on the defense participating in practice. He wants a new contract from the Bears. Uh, That situation continues on. So that's number one. Number two, the development of the quarterback, Justin Fields. I think that's an obvious one storyline that we're keeping our eyes on. Number three, the offensive line. Is this offensive line coming together at all? Is it going to protect the young quarterback so we can see him develop properly? You have some new bodies that were brought in last week. How are they fitting in? We have an injury with Lucas Patrick. How is that going to work? Uh, that whole situation, the offensive line, I, I think is a, a big storyline that has developed throughout the first week of training camp. And then the fourth one would be the defense putting together some nice plays and nice practices. And and even without Roquan, you see some of the young players, Brisker, uh, you see uh, Gordon making plays on the defensive side of the ball here early in camp. I get it. Pads aren't on yet. Uh, but to me, those are the four things that as we consume uh, the press conferences and all of the reports from training camp in the first week or so, that to me, those are the themes that I've seen, the four themes uh, to this point here in training camp. Yeah, I feel like you get the uh, Roquan update every single day and the update is constantly, well, he's still just riding the bike and watching practice. And then when they go and they watch film, he can be in there for film sessions and installs and all that kind of stuff. But we still don't have an update on his contract status. You know, the, the, a couple other hold-ins have signed. You know, we talked about DK Metcalf, and over the weekend, Debo Samuel gets his money uh, yesterday, I believe, on Sunday. So with that, you've got two of the guys that were holding out or holding in or whatever uh, as, of the wide receivers 
get their money, and now Roquan Smith, you just kind of wait for that update. And then I think, to me, the number two is the offensive line. And more specifically, what's going on with Tevin Jenkins? And these rumors that he's you know, having a falling out with the coaching staff and they're not happy with him. And I, I, I don't, if it's injury related, fine. You, you drafted an injury, an injured player. You draft a guy with, with, dra- with back problems. And again, this is not Ryan Poles' draft pick. This is Ryan Pace's draft pick. So this is not on Ryan Poles to try to fix Tevin Jenkins, but you try to get the most out of the players on your roster. He was a pick that you wanted to see something, uh, get something out of. So hopefully they can resolve whatever issues they have. You know, when Matt Eberflus joined Carmen and Yurko last week, he said, oh, he woke up with something. Well, that's starting to feel like... Mm, maybe not the most true thing in the world because now you're starting to hear that he's not getting along with coaches. The coaches are down on him. Does that mean they're trying to get him to play out of position or they're not happy with his work ethic? Whatever the case may be, I'm keeping an eye on the offensive line and specifically what's going on with Tevin Jenkins. And then, you know, obviously watching who's playing which position which day, but we've, you know, we've talked about it, Coach Eberflus has talked about it, Ryan Poles has talked about it, that they're going to move guys around until they find where guys fit the best. And so you're going to see movement throughout this training camp. Hopefully they have something solidified by next Saturday, which is their first pregame, first preseason game uh, on August 13th. So hopefully by then something is solidified. Then to me, it's the defense, you know, because... I want to see guys that are stepping up with, you know, Kyler Gordon with the draft pick and, you know, how Eddie Jackson is is doing in a new defense where the emphasis is one of his skills where it's taking the ball away. And then to me, I don't know. I don't want to say it's last on the priority list, but as far as the storylines are concerned to me in training camp, Justin Fields' development out of those four might be towards the bottom because you're not going to get Oh, he had a bad day in practice. Of course, he's going to have bad days of practice and good days of practice. I'm waiting to see it on the field. I want to see it in the preseason game. That's when it matters to me. When you're in a game and the chaos is surrounding you and you're trying to get the play call in and you get the play call in and you call it and do all that stuff. Like this stuff in, in without pads on and with pads on, to me, that's just fine. Like they're just working on drills and working on that kind of stuff. I'll put my emphasis on Justin Fields when we get to preseason games and when we get to regular season games. So to me right now, out of the four that you ranked, that's how I would rank them. Roquan one, offensive line two, defense three, Justin Fields four. I wasn't necessarily, I was just going off the top of my head. Yeah, I wasn't I ranking know. them. I know. Um, but I, I would say when we touch back on to the Tevin Jenkins conversation, so I'm on NFL.com and this is the draft and combine uh, recap and his draft profile heading into the draft, what uh, scouts were thinking about Tevin Jenkins, the prospect. Here's the weaknesses, all right? So Ryan Pace drafts a player. Here are the weaknesses that you're expecting to play left tackle, you know, right tackle. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to be someone that ideally a second-round pick would be a starter for you. Heading into the draft, here are the weaknesses. Very short arms for a tackle position. Lack of length shows up. When trying to hit, redirect block at the top of the rush. Longer defenders can stab and separate them. Could struggle to gain enough depth against speed rush. Displays slight inconsistencies with weight dispersion. Uh, loses contact with run blocks, showing occasional leaning. Some scouts voice concerns about his football character. <sighs> like, like, so 
this stuff was there, and I get it. I could also read you all the positives, right? Like ready and willing to bury his man, plays under uh, plays under the pads. He's a climbing blocker. He's got good athleticism with a smooth drift from block to block on the second level. Uh, keeps hands until the target is within range. So, like, there there are positives as well that were the strengths. But when you read the negative part of his game, and then you mix in the back issue and this, like, lack of ability to be available, it is, like, obvious this was this is heading towards a busted draft selection. Now, the question is, new group, new GM, Ryan Poles, New coaching staff, Matt Eberflus, uh, Luke Getze on the offensive side. Can they get anything out of this player? Or is this player just, you know, that last bullet point I read to you under the weaknesses on NFL.com, some scouts voice concerns about football character. You mentioned rumors today and over the weekend that there's possible issues between Tevin Jenkins and the coaching staff. Is this just heading towards a direction where this player will be cut eventually here in camp, and that'll be that, and the the Tevin Jenkins, Ryan Pace uh, story is just closed with this player will no longer be a part of the franchise? No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think that they're going to cut him because you need depth. Like, you need bodies. Is he not going to start? Maybe not. But as far as, like, I don't think you're saving that much money by cutting him because he's a rookie, his base salary he's only he's only two million dollars against the cap. No, you you wouldn't do it to save money. You would do it because you'll just use other bodies. He's but don't you just need bodies though? It's the offensive line. Like yeah, they already they already have the, their center's already hurt. But that but the point being is if he has character problems and there's already problems with the coaching staff, you just cut bait. It's not you're not saving. You're just removing the body from the room. Yeah, and you just say it's fine. We'll we drafted how many offensive linemen did they draft Put this on year? The practice squad, three or four of them. Yeah, no. Well, like, but again, why even? It's he's not your project. Yeah. So if it's not even worth it, and he's not buying in, just say peace, send them off, and then put your effort into the players that you drafted mm-hmm. in in the the spring because you you wouldn't spend a lot of draft capital on players and they weren't high picks necessarily no but their bodies and if they're willing to be a part of it maybe maybe that's it maybe he's always injured and he's also not willing to to give the I don't know but it's it's interesting that it's now a double whammy thing yeah and he has really good tape in college like the dude was a beast but if he's not getting along with the staff, if he, I don't know what football character means, is he showing up late for meetings? Is he, you know, standoffish to coaching to coaches? Like, is or, he just or a, is it the other side of it where it's like, like remember the, the one play you can go back to last season was Justin Fields gets knocked on his ass, late hit, and he comes over and he stands up. Like, is that football character? I like that. I liked it too. So, so maybe it's the inability to be pushed. You know, like that, that's a, another thing with like you read or you hear about athletes and some have been told every single day of their lives they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a generational thing with, you know, Gen X parents with, with kids who are Gen Z or, or some millennials where there is no you are not good enough. Mm-hmm. It's here's a star for every little thing you do. 
here's a cupcake for for <laughs> your amazing job at doing X, Y, and Z. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe being pushed by a coach creates friction, and that, maybe that's the case. I don't know. Um, but I think it's interesting that now that's being talked about on top of the injury issues because he's unavailable. Something to keep your eyes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's hear from Matt Eberflus today. It's a Monday. He spoke to the media after the practice today and also the practice over the weekend. Uh, we did mention of the storylines that we're kind of keeping our eyes on here in training camp. Matt Eberflus talked about uh, Roquan and being out. And if Roquan being out, does it affect the install on the defense as you try and prepare for week one of the NFL season? Here's head coach of the Bears, Matt Eberflus. You know what? It's just you got to play it day by day. You got to play it day by day, and I think that uh, it's going to be what it is, you know. So when he gets off a of PUP and he's working with uh, Ryan and gets that done, we'll see what happens, and it's day by day. And yeah. when it happens, we'll make our adjustment and pu- plug and play. The big thing is, is for him to stay in while he's on PUP is to do a good job of staying in it mentally, which he's doing, um, and to really get the mental reps. You know, when we're doing the walkthroughs, he's standing behind and getting the mental reps. So. Matt Eberflus also talking about any progress with Roquan and his contract situation with the front office. Here's the head coach. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not in the middle of that. So I really can't say that there's progress, not progress. That's Ryan and him working together. So uh, I don't really have an update on my part. I just know that he's being a professional. He's in the meetings, and he's doing a good job with helping the younger players. You know, and he's and again, he's still on PUP. So there you go. That's Matt Eberflus earlier today talking about Roquan Smith. He he's not going to give you anything, but also he kind of gives you like a real answer. I don't feel like I'm being uh, told something that is like. Uh, some like great secret, right? Like yeah. you'll find out when you find out. I don't. I don't know. I'm not involved, and he's still on the pup list. Well, also, I feel like this is different than like this. Feels like the deal's going to get done, right? Because the way I, in the past when players haven't been around, or I know this is a hold in, hold out, whatever. Coaches usually tend to do the. I'm going to talk about players that are here. You know, like, I'm discussing players that are here. Only ask me about players that are here. And, like, yes, Roquan is there, technically, but this feels like they like Roquan. They want to pay him. It's just a matter of figuring out the money and what Roquan wants and what they want and finding some middle ground. I think that they will get a deal done. I hope they get a deal done. I think you and I have both said that we want Roquan to be a bear for a while and that he's a key piece to this defense moving forward. Um, I just hope he's out there in time for the first preseason game or second preseason game or whatever they deem necessary for reps in this new defense to try to get them acclimated so they're ready for week one against the 49ers. You know, it's funny. It, it does sound like they like him, right? Like, it, it's not like they're talk- Like, they talk about Roquan as if he's a very valued member mm-hmm. of the team. He's there helping. He's doing this, right? Like, there, there's... Some some situations where the teams won't talk about the player holding out or this, that, and the other. So I, I think that is interesting to point out. Eberflus uh, on Monday talked about how he thought Fields and the offense did uh, after practice. Well, I thought it was good. There was a lot of good plays. We took some good shots on the field. Uh, we made some big plays. Um, I thought the operation was good. And really, we talked to the offense the other day. It was just about getting lined up and, and being crisp with our alignments and our motions and having the tempo <clears throat> Uh, to put the pressure on the defense. 
You know, when you line up in a quick manner and motion uh, with a crisp manner and then snap the ball, you're not giving them time to line up and adjust and make their calls on defense. So I think that uh, they're doing a good job with that, and that's a work in progress. But that's something we're trying to focus on here, um, the ne- this stack of practices, these next two today and these next two practices. So there's Matt Eberflus on the offense. Um, once again, I, I think he's giving us real answers. And from the last head coaching regime with Matt Nagy, it seemed like he over-explained things to try and prove a point that he's not telling you anything, but he didn't want you to know that he wasn't telling you anything. So mm-hmm. he'd just say things that didn't really apply. But Eberflus is concise, telling you exactly what they're trying to work on and yeah. what's going on. I feel like there's a, yeah, you, there's a difference between coach speak and just not saying anything like the extreme is the two extremes are Belichick and Nagy right Belichick gave you nothing and he was like well we didn't we didn't execute and uh we're we didn't do this and we were gonna do that and we're gonna you know the players that are out there and Nagy would go on for three minutes about nothing and not say anything whereas Eberflus is like right in the middle where he's not gonna tell you a lot but he's not gonna ignore the question and just kind of give you a minimal, like, nothing. You know, it is his first head coaching job. I'm sure he's excited about it. I'm sure that he's, you know, he's not used to talking to the media every single day as a, as a coordinator. You only talk to the media once a week, uh, once the season starts. I know that the Bears are doing, like, an every-other-day thing with coordinators and uh, and Eberflus, but, you know, he's got he's to gotta find a way to answer essentially the same questions almost every single day. Where's Roquan? How's Justin Fields doing? What's going on with the O-line? Every single day. Because that's all people are caring about. So, yeah, you're going to get reporters that are going to ask specific questions that are writing stories and whatnot. But for the most part, it's the same three questions every day. How'd the O-line look today? How did Fields look today? What's the Roquan update? Where's Roquan? Yeah, exactly. And so until we get like a real update on Roquan, it's just going to be the same thing over and over again. All right, good, because uh, I've got one more on Justin Fields, but I do have two pieces of audio from Matt Eberflus that I don't think we've discussed. So these are different topics Mm -hmm. that I think are interesting. Uh, Here's Eberflus, one other, though. Uh, What do you make of Fields at times today looking late on throws and the progression of the offense? What do you make of that? Yeah, I just think he's working through the offense. You know, we're putting in new plays every day. You know, we're, we're changing up the scheme every day, so we're still adding plays, you know, as we go, and he's learning the scheme, and he's, he's learning his footwork within that play. And, and when he has his footwork right, ball's good, looks great, and that's, that's what he's continuing to do. So he's working on the footwork, something to keep your eyes on if you're a Bears fan. If you get to go to Hallis Hall to watch training camp, something to maybe uh, pay attention to as the practices go on in training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, here on the Bear Down Podcast. All right, I've got two topics here for you. Ooh. Uh, this one I particularly enjoy. I think there's a reason to why the 49ers have been so good the last couple of years offensively. Shanahan does a really good job using a fullback. Now, very few teams implement fullbacks. The Rams do. The 49ers do. I think at times the Bengals did mm-hmm. uh, last year. Uh, I like an offense that has a fullback. It's a bunch of junk when you don't have one. You can't just always pretend that you're going to be four wide and you're just running down the field. I enjoy having tight ends looking like they're going to block and then faking and going out for a pass. I like a fullback 
blocking for a wide for a, a running back. I like a fullback who catches the football. I like West Coast offense. I hope you can hear me hitting the desk over here. Uh, we can hear you. I like it. The Bears have a fullback on the roster. Mm-hmm. Kari Bessengame? Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Sure. He's, he's played in the NFL for a little time. Four-year vet. Mm-hmm. 26 out Vandy. He's six foot, 233. The Bears have a fullback. Do, do you, am I wrong here? Do you not like an offense that has a fullback? I do, and I'm looking at the uh, the player grades from Pro Football Focus for fullbacks. That doesn't last matter. Year. We don't need grades. Patrick Ricard from the. Uh, Adele, where we're going with a fullback, we don't need grades. For the uh, Ravens was number one. CJ Ham from the Vikings was number two. Reggie G- Gilliam from the Bills. Yeah, Gildog. Was number three. Keith Smith was number four from the Falcons. Kyle Juszczyk was the fifth from the 49ers. And number five, Jacob Johnson from the Raiders. All right. All receiving. So Blasting Game grades. has played 32 total games. Okay. Uh, he... <laughs> He has uh, three attempts for six yards. Oh, good. He's gotten a first down, though. Uh, he does have one fumble. What? He has received the football out of the backfield, though. A total of 10 catches in three seasons for 97 yards. All right, right? But here's the thing. I like the way it works in a formation. I like uh, keeping a defense off balance. I like a quarterback to be under center, play action, fake the handoff, Throw it to a tight end. Throw it to a fullback. Maybe throw it to a running back. I like that style of football. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. Here's Matt Eberflus today. On using a fullback within this offense. I think when you can have a fullback or a tight end that can play that position. Um, you know, that was always one of my questions, you know, early in the week, defending guys, you know, can he play the fullback spot? Does he play the fullback spot? Because it creates, um, you know, more gaps in the running game when you have that lead back in there. And, and you certainly have to be mindful of that defensively. You know, are you going to play nickel? Are you going to play base? What, what are you going to do uh, to those different personnel groups? Um, I'll be at 12 or 21, whatever that might be. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big advantage for the offense to have that guy. Okay. We had a, quote, offensive expert as the last head coach who didn't know how to use formations. Meanwhile, our new head coach, Matt Eberflus, who is a defensive-minded head coach, understands the importance of using a tight end with his hand in the dirt and a fullback in the run formations to then be able to manipulate the defense and create havoc on his end as a defensive coach trying to plan against an offense That, to me, this clip right here, maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion. I feel so much better about this Bears offense moving forward based on schematics than we had in the past. Just based on that, the idea that the defensive-minded coach understands that having players who look like they're going to block or even blocking on run plays actually makes a difference when you're trying to stop an offense. I loved hearing this from Matt Eberflus earlier today. 
And that, sir, that is a topic and a piece of audio I guarantee you're not going to hear anywhere else. I heard that, and I was like, we have to talk about it. I love a fullback in my offense. Well, it's about getting guys open in space, right? And the more guys you have that can catch the ball or that can take the ball out of the backfield, the more space your guys are going to get because the defense needs to keep an eye on everybody. You know the Packers use a fullback. Uh, the 49ers, like you mentioned, the Chargers. like It's, it's most West Coast offense. Yeah, yeah. Well, use, but, use fullbacks. I mentioned the Packers for a very specific reason. Who is the Bears' offensive coordinator? It's Luke Getze. Luke Getze, okay. So to me, yes, it is a big deal because not only do you have that, but the, when they sign Nikhil Harry, he's a bigger wide receiver who likes to block, so that... That opens up more opportunities for your fullback to catch the ball, to you, to have the ball in space. So if you're getting guys open in space, what I notice about the offenses that you mentioned, you know the, uh, the 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 49ers, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Packers, all that stuff, right? Guys are always open, always middle of the year, end of the year, tapes for days on these guys. Guys are still getting open and and having space too. And what I like about it is. Something Matt Eberflus keeps going back to is chunk plays. And when you can create eight yards at a time, nine yards at a time, getting first downs on second down as opposed to waiting till third down to try to convert to first down, like Matt, uh, Matt Nagy was doing every time because they were behind the eight ball all yep. the damn time. When you can create those chunk plays by using the entire offense and everyone at your disposal, that's offense. Not pulling out defensive players to run trick plays. That's not offense, okay? Offense is using everybody at your, that's at your fingertips on the offensive side of the ball, right? And creating a system where everyone can be in play. Fullback, every wide receiver, every running back, right? So I agree with you. This is great. And it goes into creating these chunk plays that we want to see from the offense. I'm sick of four yards, three yards, two yards. I want eight, nine, 12, 13. Like, I want big plays. Not, I'm not, I don't need 40 yards every play. 30 yards, 25 yards. It's those eight-yard plays with the, between seven and 12 yards of play. That's where you make your money, and that's where you keep a defense on their toes because they're running. Now, it's not a far distance, but... They have to get lined up. Then you go faster. You go no huddle. You you call the play from the line of scrimmage. You get seven more yards real quick. That's what you see from the 49ers, from the Rams, from the Chiefs all the time. All the time. And there's no reason why Luke Etsy can't come in and create that style of offense in here. I would say also if you can establish any form of a running game, it's going to make life so much easier for Justin Fields. If they can run the football at all. And I know the backs are good. Uh, Herbert and Montgomery, mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a very good one-two punch. I, if you can find a way to run the football with this offensive line, and and you can be successful on first down, I, it's going to help Justin Fields so much. Okay, here's the second piece of audio that I heard that I I don't think people are really going to talk about. The defensive secondary. You have Jalen Johnson. You have Duke Shelley, Tavon Young, Thomas Graham Jr., Kendall Vildor, and then the rookie, Kyler Gordon. Mm -hmm. Those are six players all playing for basically two to three starting spots, right? Because in today's NFL, there's a lot of nickel, there's a lot of dime. So to say that you only are starting two corners is not true because... 
Like, think back to last year. Kendall Vildor was basically on the field for 70% of the plays, I would guess, because they either, either he was a starter and or he was the, the nickel mm-hmm. corner. So today, Matt Eberflus was asked about Kyle Gordon, Kyler Gordon because he has been in both spots, inside and outside, as a cornerback. So, you know, you draft a player in the second round, a cornerback, mm-hmm. he, he probably should be a, a starter on the outside, right? Like, that's what we're doing here? Like, isn't that... I would assume that the, that's the way it, it's handled. Well, here's Matt Eberflus. Kyler Gordon, is he going to play inside or outside? It's it's like a puzzle. You're trying to fit, fit it together and put the best guys out there. And, and does this combination of corners better than this combination... And you also have to look up, look at matchup, you know. So that's a week to week thing, you know. So sometimes it might look different week to week, where it's based on a matchup situation we like. And then down by down and distance, you might like a certain matchup better on third down and two minute than you do on first and second down. So that's all, all encompassing. Okay, it's all encompassing. He didn't answer the question. He he mentioned a lot of different things that they look at from week to week and and throughout the season based on he's going to play the best players. Mm-hmm. And that could change from week to week. Does it matter if Kyler Gordon is your number one nickel corner or does he need to be the second starting corner to Jalen Johnson? I don't think it matters. You put the best guys out there, right? And guys are fighting with each other for position and guys are fighting with each other for starting spots. I don't think that I, there's, to me, there's, there's one person on this roster Two people, but one of them's not under con- or one of them's holding in right now. Whatever. There's one person that's guaranteed his spot, and that's Justin Fields. That's it. That's it. Everyone else is give me the best option. If the best o- option is having Kyler Gordon play inside, he plays inside. If the best option is to have him with Jalen Johnson outside, then that's the best option. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me because I'm not married to oh, this is where we drafted you. This is where you play. This is where you go. You don't move from this position. I want the best options out there. And if the options change based on what the offense is doing from game to game, then that's what you do. Because the, the, the goal here isn't to, the goal here is to win. It's not here to stroke egos. Okay? You're winning. You're trying to win football games. And you're trying to develop an identity as a defense and develop a, a, a cohesiveness at defense. So if the, if the identity is best formation possible, and best set possible, then that's what you go with. And you don't just say, hey, Kyler, this is where you're starting because we drafted you with our first pick in the second round. So congratulations, here's your starting spot. Like, you don't do that. If he's better off somewhere else, he plays somewhere else. I wonder if, will people look at it as like a blown um, draft no. placement? If, if he is like the third corner... And he's never starting on the outside. I wonder if people will th- look at that and be like, is he a bust? Well, I, he could eventually start on yeah. the outside. No, no doubt. I'm, I'm just saying I wonder if how people will respond, especially because Jalen Johnson kind of stepped in and like held his own immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't really matter. You want to play the best players. And it's not about just gifting someone the gig. But I do think you need three to four stellar corners yeah. in today's NFL. Especially, especially for depth. You never know. What if what if Johnson gets injured? Then what? Yeah, like you need depth, and that's what I think that that polls put an emphasis on in the draft and moving forward is that guys get hurt. We need depth. There was no like people crap on Eddie Jackson all the time, but what was behind Eddie Jackson was even worse. 
Oh, yeah, no doubt. So, like, you can't, like, yeah, you can crap on Eddie Jackson. He took plays off and he did all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But I'd rather have him out there than anybody that was behind him because you had no depth whatsoever. Dahl's not a fan of DeAndre Houston Carson. Just get that on the record Kindle, right now. Kindle Vildor? Well, Kindle is there. He's, I would imagine he's going to be battling for one of these positions as mm. well. All right, Bear Down Podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, it's a Monday. Enjoy it. Uh, we'll be back later in the week for more Bears conversation. Sorry about the Lollapalooza situation last weekend. We just didn't have enough time in the day. Uh, and it, it was good. Well, I'm just being real. You're apologizing. Well, I mean, people are looking for it on Thursday. We give them a, a replay of Carmen Yurko with Eberflus. We get it. We understand. Uh, we we totally get it. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, so here, boom, we're rocking and rolling. Uh, we're in the second week of training camp. Pads go on tomorrow on Woof. a Tuesday. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we'll have new Bear Down podcasts here on the ESPN Chicago Unless app throughout, throughout the football season, except for today. <laughs> I mean, except for today, it will probably happen again at some point. Uh, but there you go. Bear Down Podcast. Listen to Blocking Up Dollar 6 to 8, weeknights on ESPN 1000. We'll talk to you again on Thursday here on the Bear Down Podcast.